Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart, too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to this installment of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Nabeau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, as always, of course, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast, which, by the way, Jay, we might need to talk about this Taco Bell thing today oh, that, you, so that you mentioned earlier. We, <laughs> we will get to that, I promise you. But first, we did want to say hi to our uh, Madhouse Podcast listeners who, of course, want to hear us talk about the Blackhawks, but... The injustice of getting rid of the Mexican pizza just cannot stand. Are we doing this, this is now? so ridiculous? We're doing this right away? Yeah, let's do it. Well, first of all, big Taco Bell fan. Anyone who has seen me in person knows I'm a big fat guy. Uh, they took away a lot of menu items. But now with this Mexican pizza, all my favorites are gone. My two go-tos from Taco Bell were the Double Decker and the Mexican pizza. Okay, and with, when the Double Decker went away, I was like, all right. I can survive on Mexican pizzas and I'll adjust and get some other stuff. Now that's gone too. And here's the thing. What infuriates me about the double decker is everything you need to make it is still there. It's a hard shell taco with beans and a soft shell taco around it. That's all it is. They can do that. It takes an extra five seconds to make a double decker. You make a taco, then you put some beans on the soft shell and fold it up around the taco. That's it. That's all it is. Why did that have to go? But as if that wasn't far enough, they take away the Mexican pizza too. This is outrageous, man. I am so pissed. I, I I only brought this up because, like you had mentioned, you 
now have had two of your favorite menu items, your two go-tos taken away by Taco Bell. And I just wanted to offer my condolences and my commiseration because the Mexican pizza is also in my top two or three Taco Bell go-to items. And I, too, I live right down the street from a Taco Bell. You think I'm not, like, rolling in there? relatively frequently at like 1130 <laughs> midnight. Of course I am. And what am I usually getting? It's I am a big cheesy gordita crunch guy. Love that menu item. If they ever get rid of that, we riot. And I would or I would get a Mexican pizza. And the fact that they got rid of that, it just it cuts my potential go to's in half. And I just I can't stand it, man. It sucks. And I wanted to let you know, Jay, you're not alone in hating that Taco Bell did this. Thank you. I appreciate your support, your continued support. You're always on my side, James. You always got my back, and that's why I love you as a partner. Um, I will recommend, though, the Grande Nacho Box, way better than I expected. That's really good. And they also have this new, like, pineapple whip. It's like a cross between, like, a it's like a creamy Slurpee. It's delicious. So get that too at Taco Bell if you still choose to support them after they've taken away the things I love the most. After they've punched you in the nuts repeatedly. They have. All right. Welcome into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. (laughs) This is a hockey podcast. We assure you. We're going to drop the puck here momentarily. Uh, I want to tell you how to get in touch with us first and foremost. MadhousePod at gmail.com or on Twitter at MadhousePod. Instagram at Madhouse underscore pod. Facebook is facebook.com slash Madhouse Hockey CHI. And we're on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Madhouse Pod. And we've got madhousepod.com where you can check out our uh, threadless merchandise shop and all sorts of stuff. But check out that Patreon. We've got some t shirts, we've got some stickers for people who want to lend their monthly support. So, honestly speaking, there's not a ton happening in Blackhawks land. There's not a ton to get to, so this will be a shorter podcast than usual. I've got a couple Twitter and email questions loaded up, but James, you saw something this morning uh, that piqued your interest Blackhawks-wise. I will give the floor to you. Here is the floor. (laughs) I actually did see a couple of uh, Blackhawks-related things that kind of caught my attention. We will get to one later. It's a very minor news item, but I guarantee you that Jay Zawaski and a lot of people in Blackhawks Nation, they're about to have a new enemy on their hands. I assure you <laughs> that you guys will not like this person. I'm glad he's going to jail. He deserves it. You'll see why. Before we get to that, however, since I've already riled Jay up enough, I think we're going to go ahead and talk about something a little bit more constructive, and that is this. It's a very simple question. Where do you think the Chicago Blackhawks organization ranks in terms of its prospect depth and its quality of young players? That question, of course, is one that's been debated by a lot of different people. Always a lot of really good stuff about that. The Athletics' Corey Pronman is doing a deep dive into the farm system of every NHL team this season. And he has... The Chicago Blackhawks. Do you want to take a guess where he has them ranked, Jay? Well, before you answer that, let me ask you this. Are they including Kirby Doc and Adam Boquist as prospects, or are they not involved in this? Because that's going to make a are huge both difference. Still technically considered graduates or considered prospects. Okay. Dominic Kubalik, Dylan Strom have both graduated, so to speak, in this ranking. Okay, that's kind of what I thought it should be. I'm going to say they're a, they're upper half, but lower upper half, like 14, 15, somewhere in there. You are actually exactly correct. They are number 14 in the NHL, which is down from number 10 last season. So I'm assuming Kubelik and Strom probably uh, 
that probably had something to do with it. I'm guessing maybe dropping them down a little bit, maybe a little bit of the uh, struggles of a guy like Adam Boquist in the postseason potentially played into that as well. But yes, Corey Pronman has the Blackhawks as currently constructed as the number 14 farm system in the National Hockey League. Jay, how do you want to do this? Do you want to try to guess top 10 players? Do you want me to just run them down? How would you like to do Let this? Let me guess the top five. I think top 10 is tough. Um, okay. I, I'm also very interested in what he thinks of Boquist. Um, okay. So I'm going to say number one. Prospect. Oh, by the way, before you, sorry, before you start this, Jay, okay. the, there is a criteria that's going to impact how you're going to have to guess this. The rankings include all skaters in an organization who are 22 or younger as of September 15th, 2020, regardless of how many NHL games they have played. Okay. So let me do this I, then. Throw that help, caveat out there. Just to help me, I'm going to open up my cap friendly page here because it has ages on it. Uh, and that will help me because I don't know the age of every prospect. So, okay. Right. So 22 and younger. Yep. All right. Uh, number one is Kirby Doc. There's no doubt. That is correct. Okay, number two. I'm going to say they gave number two to Ian Mitchell. You are incorrect about Damn it. that. All right, so it's Boquist. It is not. <gasps> Adam Boquist is number three. Oh, is, no, Pius Suter would be too old. Uh, Pius Suter is not too old. All right, no, he, NHL, he is listed for some reason, but not ranked. Sorry. I thought he was not listed. He is listed, just as not ranked. I cannot fathom who the number two would be then. The reason I brought up the caveat about the age and NHL games is because Alex DeBrincat is the number two player on that oh, list. Oh, that's cheating. Sorry. That's, that you're is right. the rule. Right. Under 22. Okay. No matter how many NHL games played, this is an organizational ranking. Like All that stuff, I guess, is like there. Just throwing it out there. They have Alex DeBrincat at number two. And like I said, Adam Boquist is number three. Care to take a stab at who number four is? Alex Nylander. It is. It is indeed Alex Nylander. He is number four, and then Ian Mitchell rounds out the top five. Also ranked on this list are Alec Regula at number six. Evan Barrett is number seven. Wyatt Kal- Kalianuk, is Kal- that how we decide? Yeah, Kalianuk? Sure, yep, that works. Yeah, he's number eight, <laughs> and Michael Tepley, number nine. All right. I That makes sense. I don't think there's any – I don't. I have no issues with that. I would like to see, though, like – you know, some of the guys in the organization who've not made it are older, but they're still prospects. Yeah. Like Kevin Lankinen's 25. I'd like to see where he would fall into things. Also kind of weird. I don't think he ranks goaltenders. I think he only ranks skaters. And how is Chalupa? Speaking of Taco Bell, how is our guy <laughs> Chalupa not on this list? Uh, he is definitely not on the list. Not even listed on the NHL potential. Already loaned out, I believe, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I would temper your enthusiasm on Chalupa. Um, I don't think that I think to think he's going to be another Kubalik is far fetched. Uh, Suter might be that guy, but I don't think uh, Chalupa is going to be that guy. Um, it's interesting. I, I mean, to me, that list makes sense. And let me ask you this: since the name came up, has the couple weeks since Blackhawks hockey have been played, how are you feeling about Alex Nylander right now? Are you feeling any hope that he's going to pan out? That he's going to become like a true? I, I think true top six might be hopeful, but like a legitimate, reliable top nine. Do, do you think that day's coming for him? He is only 22. I know, but this will all, this would also potentially be the second organization that he's kind of flamed out with. Like, I feel like there's something that 
the scouting departments and the executives are seeing in him that is kind of mirroring what we've seen as podcast hosts and Blackhawks fans that just there's something that needs to be there with him that just isn't. And I don't think that continuing to play is just going to necessarily bring that out of him. It's probably going to have to take like some sort of buy-in on his part to do the things that he's going to need to do to be an effective second or third line forward in this league. And I just don't, I still don't know if he's going to be able to take that jump. Now the question then is what do you do with him? Like, do you try to trade him? I don't think you're going to get very good value for him right now. No. Do you try to keep him on the cheap? Do you just kind of like, you know, try to see if he's eventually going to develop and take a gamble on him? I don't know the answer to that question. I know I wouldn't just like, you know, obviously say take a hike, like either try to get something for him or I guess ride it out. But I'm not overly optimistic about Alex Nylander. And if he wasn't wearing a Blackhawks sweater next season, I can't say that I would be overly upset. Okay, let me ask you this. All right, and I don't know. Maybe I'm talking myself into something here. We talk often about how development is not linear, right? And how we as Hawks fans have been very spoiled by the immediate arrival of prospects. Taves, Kane, to a lesser extent, Saad. Panarin was good right away. Doc's pretty good right away. A lot of guys take time to develop. And I know it's a different sport, and I know it's a different personality. But Ian Happ is a good example right of a guy who was a high draft pick people had really high hopes for him came out first couple years really struggled for to find consistency you saw the tools were there you saw he had the power you saw he was a switch hitter a decent fielder right then all of a sudden at the end of last baseball season things seem like they're coming together then this year starts and he's a legitimate mvp candidate now i'm not saying that alex nylander is going to be a legitimate mvp candidate but with a whole year in a system under his belt with the skills that he clearly has and that he's clearly shown, I want to ask myself, if this was not the guy that the Blackhawks traded Henry Yokoharu for, okay, let's just say this was a, a prospect they drafted or it was a guy they traded a six-round pick for. And I know it's hard to look at it in that lens because it's not what happened, but if we're looking at Alex Nylander fairly, as a 22-year-old kid who didn't have a dad or a brother playing in the league, would you be less critical of him as a player, as him as a prospect? Throwing away all the things we know about him, who he was traded for, who his family is, what his last name is, etc. If you're looking at him as a 22-year-old first-round pick prospect, are we being too too hard on Alex Nylander? Were we too hard on guys like Victor's, uh, Victor Stahlberg? Um. Like, like that's that's kind of my that's like kind of my mental comp to him where it's just like it looks like there's like a level that he can unlock and potentially get to and it just seems like he for whatever reason either is unable or unwilling to do what it takes to unlock that level like I'm kind of like drawing that comp a little bit here I think I can see that I can I see where you're coming from on that I'm trying to see where was he drafted uh Victor Stahlberg he was a 161st overall pick. So I see what you're saying, and I see what the comparison is. Also, his high in goals in the NHL was 22 with the Blackhawks in 2011-2012. Mm-hmm. So Nylander's been close to that already, right? I mean... Nylander had two goals for the Sabres last season, had 10 goals for the Blackhawks this season. Okay, so he's not close to that. But I mean, I don't know. I'm just... 
I know we all hated the move, right? None of us understood why the move was made. It was frustrating, and he has not panned out to be what we hoped he would be. But I think it's dangerous to just give up on this kid already. I really do. I think that the you see it, and I think that's what's frustrating about him is you're like, there it is. That's it. That's what we're looking for. That play right there, that shot right there, that pass right there. You can see that the tools are there. You can see that the skill is there, but it's the mental part of the game that seems to be a struggle for him. And going back to my Ian Happ comparison, that was kind of the knock on him too, was that he was too in his head. He was too hard on himself, those sort of things. And he told a story on the air today about how when he was sent down by Joe Madden, uh, he like had a meltdown. Like he freaked out like a Ricky Vaughn style, uh, you know, flip the tables over in the office sort of a thing. Cause he says for me to develop, I needed MLB at bats. I needed to see MLB pitching. And once he started getting those with regularity, he was able to develop again. It's a drastic comparison. I know it's a stretch, but I, I want to caution taking your personal feelings for how Alex Nylander got here. Try to evaluate him. Not you, James, I'm talking to everybody. Try to evaluate him as fairly as possible. And I, do I would think- also like to point out, sorry, Jay, I no, did want to point out with your your Ian Happ comparison, I think there is one thing kind of a key to kind of keep in mind here about this. Do the Blackhawks send him to Rockford then? Is that like a potential option to be like, hey, get your head right? Like obviously Buffalo, he played I think like a total of 20 games or something like that with them. Played obviously most of his time with that organization with the Rochester Americans and then he came to the Blackhawks and appeared in 65 games like most of the games the Blackhawks played last season. Is the Ian Happ route of like sending him down to the minors to get him like kind of I guess for lack of a better term, I guess I shouldn't say this because he's not like a, a malcontent or anything, but just kind of adjust his attitude and his mentality a little bit maybe. Like, is that an option for him? It could be, and I think that, again, we're comparing apples and oranges here, but Hap sort of saw the demotion as a setback for him. He's like, you're taking me away from major league pitching, major, major league speed, and I think a good example of that too, bringing it back to hockey, was Tavo. When Tavo was in Rockford, he was not lighting the world on fire. And a lot of people had concerns like, wait, this guy's supposed to be this great prospect, but his numbers in Rockford are very ordinary. And what the Rockford coaches at the time said, and I don't think it was Calton then, but whatever, they said, you know, the problem he's having is he's so far ahead of his teammates that like he's putting passes to them that they have no idea are coming because they can't imagine a pass at the AHL level getting there, right? Like they're yeah. like to to like wow, this guy is really operating at a level above everybody else. I'm not saying Neander is there necessarily, but is the best thing for Neander uh NHL time, NHL struggles, learning at the highest level or does he need a setback? Let us know what you think. Hit us up madhousepod at gmail.com or on Twitter at madhousepod. By the way, Alex Neander's career stats, he's played 84 games in the NHL. 13 goals, 19 assists, 32 points. So Roughly a full season's worth of games plus a couple. Exactly. So, I don't know. I, I Maybe I'm the last guy to completely bail on Alex Nylander, but I think when you look at the skill set, when you look at what they have and what they need, I'm still giving him every opportunity to, to be an impact player next year. And look, 22 years old, just over a full season played. I think there's still room for growth for Alex Nylander. Hey, want to talk about our friends at Triple Threat Sports? You need a jersey? You need a Tavo Teravine and Carolina Hurricanes jersey like that jerk James Naveau? Hit up our friend Chris at Triple Threat Sports. 
708-478-6090, Triple Threat Sports. If you can wear it, they can make it. And, of course, our friends at Fry the Coop. James, I had Fry the Coop this week. Ugh. Accidentally ordered. I wanted, What I usually do is two medium tenders and a hot tender. This week I reversed it. Dude, I was in trouble. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Hope's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know. I, I thought I ordered two medium and a hot. I think I got too hot. I'm like sweating. And if you've ever had food that's like really, really hot, you start to kind of like hallucinate and lose like connection with reality. I was getting there. And just know the hot at Fry the Coop, there's two more levels to go in terms of heat. So if you're a fan of spicy food, if you're a fan of Nashville hot chicken, hit up our friends at Fry the Coop, frythecoop.com. I get the tenders. They've got the donut chicken sandwich, which is amazing. They've got the uh, Nashville hot chicken sandwich. And look, if you don't like spice, if you're like, oh, I don't want to burn my tongue. No judgment. I don't, I don't judge that. I get it. They've got I was it. waiting for you to judge. I don't judge. I don't food shame. Um, they have, uh, they've got the country style with no heat on it whatsoever. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Well Street Market, frythecoop.com. You can order online and pick up from their window. Fry the Coop. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. I want to hear people's feedback, though, on Alex Nylander. That interests me. And I don't know if it's just me like, uh, you know... It's been a couple weeks, and I'm not as mad now as I was when one of the games against Vegas ended. And I'm trying to look at things more like clear-headed now, but I'm not. I can't. I can't pull the plug on a 22-year-old, you know, first-round pick. I'm, and maybe Ian Haps, because I was kind of writing him off. You know, maybe his resurgence has been like, okay, maybe these kids can develop. I, I think what I think what it is, Jay, is it's a great lesson in. Try trying to moderate, trying not to get too high, trying not to get too low. I know I preach that a lot and then promptly don't follow my own advice. <laughs> we all but do. perhaps, Jay, I feel like this is just yet another lesson. Maybe maybe you're right about this. Maybe we need to uh, temper things a little bit, turn down the temperature a little bit, if you will. Go with the mild sauce instead of the hot sauce from if you want to borrow a phrase from Fry the Coop. I like that. All right. Now, speaking of not overreacting, uh, a lot's been made of Oli Mata's status. Everyone knows um, he's under contract, but he is a very uh, a, 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 an appealing buyout. He's got three years or two years left on a deal, paying him just about four point one million on the cap. If they were to buy Oli Mata out this summer, or I guess fall at this point, they'd save three point four million over each of the next two years. And a total of about five point four million over four years. That's off the cap. Opposite of Nylander, I think it's dangerous to look at Olimata's good playoff series as a reason to keep him around. I like him. I think he's valuable. I think he is one of the Hawks' six best defensemen for sure. But looking at what they have to do in terms of bringing back Kubalik, bringing back Strom. Not to mention they've got some kids ready to go. Mitchell's ready to go. It looks like Carlson could be ready to go. Maybe you bring Slater Cuckoo back on the cheap. As much as I like the guy and as much as I think he can help, I still think despite the good playoff series, and this is with two weeks of resting on it, I still think the right move is to buy out Olimata. Do you think there is any possibility that the Blackhawks could potentially find a trade partner for him and yeah they would definitely still have to eat some money obviously as part of the transaction but do you think that there is any way they'd be able to find a willing trade partner instead of having to buy him out and like still obviously have to kind of do some cap gymnastics with that 
I think so. I think, you know, a 26-year-old with two cups under his belt coming off a solid playoff could have some value. Like, if you're a team that feels like you're you're a depth player away from a championship, if Ole Mott is your sixth defenseman, that's pretty solid. And if you get the Hawks to eat some of the contract, that makes it way more appealing. You Because know, I think $4 million for Mata is, is very reasonable. It's not overly cheap, but it's about what it should be, right? So it's not... I don't think a team has to look at that and say, oh, that's a lot of money to take on for that player. If the Hawks eat a million of it, I and and get a, you know, maybe a sixth or seventh round pick, I would do that. I, I think that makes I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, add on another uh, lottery ticket. I mean, that's essentially what a sixth or a seventh round pick would be. And like you said, you would get at least a little bit of salary cap savings there. Yeah. What would you do? I'm still leaning towards buying him out. I just think, like you said, I think it's the it's the depth, I think, that's the issue right now, just of having so many young prospects in the system that really do, I think, need to make their way up to the NHL just to see whether or not they've got what it takes. I think that it's very critical to clear a space or two, and I think that a guy like Olimata, for as solid as he ended up being in, as the postseason wore on, I just think that that's a move that you could potentially make to save some salary cap space to get guys like your Regulas and your Mitchells and your Bodans like time at the NHL level to develop. Because for all the talk that we've done already in this podcast about the kind of critical nature of getting like NHL speed and NHL reps because of how different the game is than the AHL level. I think that that's even more important and even more critical for guys on the blue line because it is such a different game having to play against NHL quality forwards. I think that that's why we so often see defensemen, they're slower to develop usually than forwards are, and I think that's a big part of it. And I really do think that guys like Bodan and Ian Mitchell are ready to make that jump to the NHL level. And if that's going to require making a tough choice and like buying out or trading Oli Mata, I do think that the Blackhawks ultimately are going to have to do that. And I think they have enough veteran depth with guys like DeHaan and Keith and Connor Murphy to make that happen without completely gutting the veteran strength that they have on their blue line. Good point. I agree with you. And I think uh, as much as I like Olimata, you know, I love the Finns. They're my people for some, I, I don't know why I just always love Finnish hockey players. It's the right thing to do. It's the, it is the sensible business move to make. And uh, I think next year, Olimata will begin his season on a different team. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, couple news items to get to. The Florida Panthers have hired Bill Zito as their GM, but a Chicago connection interviewed for that job. And James Naveau will reveal my new public enemy number one. All that and more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG. Open makes more possible. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is Jay Zawoski. I'm in Homewood. James Naveau out there in Bourbon A. I want to tell you about our partners at Dr. Squatch Natural Soap Company. You smell. I can smell you just doing this thing here. I can smell you through the microphone, and you need Dr. Squatch. James, I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to all the dudes in their cars. Right now, it's probably like 80 degrees, a little stanky in there. Go get yourself some Dr. Squatch. 
the pine tar, the cool fresh aloe. The, oh, I just got the Mars bar, which smells so good that whenever I come into my basement where my shower is, I'm hit in the face by the most wonderful aroma. Go to drsquatch.com, take that Squatch quiz to find out the products that suit you best. And then when you check out, enter that promo code MADHOUSE. You will save 20% on your order and more importantly, help the podcast. But get yourself some Made in the USA bar soaps. Get yourself the hair care kit. And here's a pro tip. If you're going to invest in premium soap and that's what you're doing with Dr. Squatch, pick up that soap saver. It's a one-time investment, but it's going to make those bars of soap you buy last maybe two or three times as long legitimately. Last week, I made the mistake of putting an older bar just on the shelf of my shower so I could put my new Mars bar on the soap saver. Within two days, that bar was basically gone. Rookie mistake on my part. From now on, I'll put, I'm going to get another soap saver to protect all of them. DrSquatch.com. Use that promo code MADHOUSE to save. I promise you, you'll be pleased with your Dr. Squatch purchase. We hear from our listeners all the time how happy they are that they jumped on. Squatch Nation, you should too. DrSquatch.com. Promo code MADHOUSE. All right, James, uh, the tension is killing me. Let me know who I'm going to start to hate. You, Jay Zawoski, are likely going to hate 47-year-old Sultan Issa, an accountant from Illinois who recently pled guilty to embezzling millions to finance a luxurious lifestyle, including purchases of yachts, homes, and private jets. 16 and a half years in federal prison for this. So this is not why I'm assuming you are going to hate him. The reason but that I you do are already. going to hate <laughs> the reason you are going to hate this man is because most of the investors who lost money in his scams were not identified in court records, by the way, ordered to pay $72 million in restitution. The Chicago Tribune reported that three victims of Sultan Issa, Thomas Kapetsky, Brian Bickle, and Marion Hossa. This man defrauded Marion Hossa. Jay, I give you the floor. What do you think of this development? I'm fine with it. You know why? Because Hosa is God, and this man will be smoten at the hands of Hosa. <laughs> How this man has not been struck down <laughs> by Slovakian lightning yet is beyond me. He is a forgiving Hosa. He is a merciful Hosa. This guy's lucky. But you know what's coming. You know when he least expects it, Marion Hosa is going to be there. And oh, how dare you, sir? See? That is a. That's a. That's. See, screwing with Marion Host is like screwing with the mob. It's uh-huh. just it's just a matter of time, my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to swim with I, the fishes. I told you, man. I told you that you were not going to like this man very much, and now we know why. How? How? First of all, how does one outsmart Hosa? That's almost impossible. I think it was probably Hosa's money manager, because I know if he spoke face-to-face with the demigod Marion Hosa, that Hosa would have said, I see through your lies, sir, and would have smote him on sight. <laughs> I feel better. I'm actually glad it's Hosa because I know this guy has to live with you. You know his comeuppance is coming. If it had just been Brian Bickle and Thomas Kapetsky, you would have been like, oh, no. That's bad. Those poor guys. Right. I hate that man. And now you know Marion Hosa's vengeance is coming. It's just living with the guilt of knowing that you upset Marion Hosa. Could you imagine living with that guilt? Oh, my God. No. Yeah, I, I, exactly. I, it, it'd be one of those things that it's like, where's the uh, samurai sword? Where do I run myself through? <laughs> I have I've dishonored my legacy by doing this. Speaking of this, uh, I don't know if I've ever shared this story before. Speaking of Bill Zito, the new, uh, well, we haven't spoken of him yet, but he's the new Florida Panthers GM. We'll get to that You're in a second. You're getting ahead of yourself. I am here, getting pal. ahead of myself. 
Um, he's the new Panthers GM, but back in the day, Bill Zito was an NHL agent, and he was the agent of Tuomo Rutu. Bill Zito and I share a common friend, a sports writer from Finland, uh, and I was afforded the opportunity a couple times to hang out with Rutu, okay? So one night, it was his 21st birthday. We were at Stanley's uh, right there in Sedgwick, and a round of shots came out to celebrate Tuomo's birthday, got my shot, and someone bumped my elbow, and I spilled my shot on Tuomo Rutu's brand-new Sammy Sosa Cubs jersey, and he turned and gave me a face like I was the biggest pile of crap on the planet, and it is something that I have relived in my mind so many times, dude. I cannot tell you. I could tell you like who was standing with me, where I was, what I was wearing, what he was wearing, what song was playing. I remember this moment so vividly because at that point in my life, I had, I had upset a hero. I had upset someone that I looked up to so much. Like, oh my God, this is my favorite hockey player. He's going to be a star. He's the next Peter Forsberg. And I just spilled a shot on his New Jersey on his birthday. And I, this is the lowest I've ever felt. So now I know I how this guy Tomo feels. Roots who ever thinks of this. I think he thinks of me often. <laughs> how many Tomo Rutsu jerseys do you own? Three. I have yeah. a red Blackhawks Tuomo Rutu jersey signed. I have a uh, Finland Tuomo Rutu jersey. And then I have a game-worn HIFK, uh, you know, that's the Finnish league, game-worn signed Rutu jersey. That is my prized possession. That bad boy is getting framed in the uh, in the illustrious Madhouse Podcast Studios someday mm. soon. Um, yeah, that was a bad moment for me. So that's how this guy must feel with Hosa. <laughs> it's got to be. I, I know we want to get to uh, some uh, front office talk, but I did want to bring up one other actual hockey story not involving Marion Hosa and destruction and all that. Any thoughts on the uh, Jake Allen trade? For those listeners who don't know, Jake Allen, goaltender for the St. Louis Blues, has been traded to the Montreal Canadiens along with a 2022 seventh-round pick for a third-round pick and a seventh-round pick in this year's draft. Jake Allen apparently going to be maybe Carey Price's backup in Montreal. Who knows? Jay, any thoughts on this? Uh, well, Carey Price is signed through 2025-26 for $10.5 million. So Jake Allen is a very expensive backup at $4.3 million. He's got only one year left on that deal, though, so he's unrestricted after next season. But, okay, cool. That's my thought on it. <laughs> my thought on it is, oh, no, Corey Crawford can't go there. Oh, that's fair enough. Yeah, you're right about that. Not, I mean, he's not going to go. Why would Corey Crawford? Is, everything we know about Crawford, though, he wants to start. And going to Montreal, he's not going to start. But this it's is, home, Jay. Oh, don't you know start. that guys are only allowed to go play for their hometown team? Yes, you can. That's why Jonathan yeah. Tapes is going to Winnipeg. That's why Patrick Kane's going to Buffalo. You really like to push my buttons, don't you? You just know. <laughs> That's why I brought up Taco Bell earlier. <laughs> no, I'm doing this. You know, right after I get out of therapy, you're going to get me right back to the starting line, man. I was doing great, feeling good. Just hung up with my therapist, connected with James. James like, hey, I'm going to stab you on a couple things. Is that cool? Yeah, sure. I'm going to reconnect with her and be like, I need you again. For the record, I did commiserate with you about Taco Bell. This was not an LOL, Jay, your favorite Taco Bell thing went away. It was a, hey, Jay, you know what? You're not alone, man. Well, you're sneaky. So I... You try no, to make, if I really wanted yeah. to stick it to you, I would once again bring up the Tavo Teravinen jersey, but I'm not going to do that. I already did that. 
just to just to get ahead of you because I knew it's on your mind. Um, <laughs> You're a schemer, Jay Zawaski. That's what you are. I am. And, you know, now that the Taco Bell menu items are gone, it just gives me more reason to go visit our friends in Crest Hill at Marishka's. Oh, yeah, buddy. Yes. 604 Theater Street, family owned and operated since 1933. Just got a pro tip about a nice dispensary out in Romeoville. So I can just double up that trip. That sounds good. Marishka's.com, Facebook.com slash Marishka's. Listen, if you've never been to Marishka's before, the poor boy is where it's at. That That's what put Marishka's on the map. What's 1933? How many years is that, James? 1933, that would be 87 years. 87 years ago, the poor boy is what put Marishka's on the map, and it's still as good as it was back then. I remember. I was there, okay? Go to there. Get yourself the poor boy. Once you have that five or six times, you're going to want to get the steaks, the chops, the seafood. Everything at Marishka's is terrific. Again, 604 Theater Street. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. Go visit the Zdralovich family out there at Marishka's in Crest Hill. You will not regret it. You will be very, very full and very, very fat and happy. Trust me. All right, one little last mm. news item before we get to a couple listener questions. Uh, as I mentioned, Bill Zito has been hired as the new general manager of the Florida Panthers, but Eddie Olchek was among those interviewed for that job. And my question is, when Rocky Wirtz says, we're not going to hire a hockey retread, James, in your mind, is Eddie Olchek a hockey retread? I would see to me, like, it's not like he's had a bunch of front office positions or anything like that, but he's a pretty well-known commodity at this point. It's not exactly like he had the best run as being a head coach. So I think that it's very close, but I think ultimately on the scale of hockey retreadedness, I'm going to say yes. Okay. I, I, I guess technically, I don't know, but you're right though. He hasn't, he coached for a while, a really young team right before they got good. He's like, not Trent Yanni, but you know what I mean? Like Dennis Savard. I don't know. He's right on that fence of retread and not retread. Ugh. <laughs> How would you feel if that was a hire? Would you be mad if he was a GM or brought in to be like the overseer of hockey ops? Cause I'll tell you this, this is just my opinion uh, based on some things that I know. If he's the hockey ops guy, I have very, I have a lot of doubts that Sam Bowman will be the GM for long. Hmm. I was going to say, I think I would just kind of throw my hands up in the air and be like, really? That's all you could do is walk down the hallway and talk to that guy? That'd probably be my initial reaction to that. I, it's just, you know, all the teams around the league are doing stuff. They're talking to people. They're making hires. And they're in the Hawks, just kind of status quo. Like, yeah, we'll get to it. And I'm sure they're doing the work. I'm sure they're talking to people. But it's just like, come on. Let's get an answer here so we can kind of have a vision of where this organization is headed. All right, are you ready to do some emails, buddy? Always ready. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment, it's sponsored by The Big 50, the men and moments that made the Chicago Blackhawks the new book written by me. Coming out in November, you can pre-order on amazon.com or bookiesbookstores.com. That's my preferred independent bookstore, but you've probably got an in independent bookstore by you. Support local bookstores. They need your help more than ever. Uh, yeah, my book is a history lesson on the Blackhawks coming out in November, so go pick that up. I got uh, my pinned tweet on my Twitter profile at jayzawaski670 has a link to the book there. So 
go buy that book. I would appreciate it. Bookiesbookstores.com. Okay. First question comes from, let me pull my document up here, Robert on Twitter. He says, how do you feel about the Coyotes moving to the Central Division starting with the 2021-22 season? James, your team, the Coyotes. Your thoughts first. <laughs> um, I I think that it's probably the move that makes the most sense, obviously. Like if you just look at the number of teams in each division and where they kind of are located geographically, obviously you're not going to split up the Oilers and the Flames. That's not a thing that you're going to want to do. The only issue that I really have with it, and it's obviously a pretty significant issue, is now you're going to have four Central Division team or four – you're going to have teams in the Central Division from all four time zones. Like, that is – that's rough, man. And it's something that – I know, like, it's not an ideal circumstance because the NHL is so heavily, like, oriented towards the East Coast. There are so many teams out East. Like, it is really hard to kind of balance everything out. But I think at some point that's going to become an issue, and I think they're going to have to do some other type of, uh, like, kind of re – reconfiguring these divisions whether it's going with a similar thing to what the nfl does where they have eight four division teams or something like that that's all i can think of because you just really i don't think it's sustainable to have nashville and arizona in the same division it just seems really that seems like you're asking for trouble from in terms of travel timing all that stuff nashville is central time right I thought they were Eastern. No, I think they're Central. But you're, the point remains, though. I mean, it's it, it, it is it's a, it's it's not convenient for anybody. There's a lot more West Coast travel than I would prefer as a as someone who depends on the Blackhawks to be good and competitive. Um, I would like more games here. I just let's just find a way to get the Hawks in the East. Can we do that? I know it's impossible, but I just want it to happen. Nash Nashville is Central Time Zone. You are correct, and I'm stupid. Well. Yes. Okay. Next question comes from Drew. On, on and then before we have any people coming in here going, Arizona is in the mountain time. Yeah. During daylight savings time, it's technically in mountain standard time, which is Pacific daylight. So, right. Right now it's two hours behind Chicago. So, all right. Uh, Drew, so this is more of a statement than a question. He says, I still think Polkos should be in the AHL to work on his defense. Then when he comes up, he won't be so worried about that. I think Ian Mitchell will immediately be better than Boquist. Okay. Now, this is what uh, got my interest on this question from Drew. And Drew, thanks for the question. Could you see a scenario where Ian Mitchell comes up and is better than Adam Boquist? I sort of can. I could see that happening. That said, I think fully realized Boquist is better than fully realized Mitchell. Does that make sense? I think that I could see Mitchell coming out and being better right away. But I do think that over time, Bogus will emerge as a better defenseman. With the obvious caveat that it does that there is no guarantee we will ever see fully realized Adam Boquist. I think that you're totally dead on here. I think that it is entirely possible, and in fact, probably happens quite a bit that players will have a higher floor than another player, but have a lower ceiling. I think that is totally, completely within the realm of possibility, and I think that. For all we talk about how defensemen are kind of slow to 
develop, I do think that it is entirely possible that a guy could come in, especially a guy like Ian Mitchell, and make more of an immediate impact that Adam Boquist will. But I also think that the Blackhawks know that he's probably, even though Adam Boquist does have NHL experience now, obviously, maybe Ian Mitchell is just a little bit more polished than Adam Boquist because you're talking about a guy who played college hockey or a guy who got drafted out of the junior leagues and got brought over to North America. I think that that's... I think it's completely reasonable to say that Ian Mitchell could make a bigger impact immediately, but then Adam Boquist could still go on to be ultimately the better player. And Ian Mitchell is a year older than Adam Boquist, too. So there's something. Yeah, I kind of agree. I I would not shock me if he came in and was a more dependable defenseman right away. But I'm still – I still have super high hopes for Boquist. I think he's going to pan out. I think he's going to be really good. It's going to take time. Remember, he's only 20. He's 20 years old, that kid. So give him some time, have some patience, and uh, hopefully he develops as everyone thinks and hopes he will. Would it shock you, though, <laughs> if they traded him this offseason? Just knowing like the way the Hawks are with prospects, <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. I think he's going to be good, but who I knows? I just spiked my who microphone. Who, it didn't, didn't sound like it, but good. I, I don't know. <laughs> who know? Like, Would it shock you if like tomorrow you saw a press release, Blackhawks trade in a Boquist? Like, I'd be pissed. But it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't surprise me. That's like your ace in the hole, Blackhawks. That's what you want to do? Oh, I would definitely have. There would be an emergency podcast, and I think I'd be a little bit irritated because I'd be like, oh, look, it's Henry Yokoharu, part duh. Big flippin' surprise. Ooh, who's the next Alex Nylander going to be? Ugh, no, that I'm not going to say like it would be the stupidest move of all time. I think that would be really silly to go to that level of hot takery. But if the Blackhawks did trade Adam Boquist this offseason, I would be pretty irritated. Well, now I want it to happen so I can see you flip out. And I, now I hope the Blackhawks <laughs> tighter Pierre Chiarelli. I really hope oh. that happens now. USOB. All right, let's wrap it up before we kill each other. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Oh, we've not promoted this yet. We are idiots. Friday night, so September 4th, Game 7. Dallas Stars, Colorado Avalanche. James and I will be on Hot Mike. Join us on Hot Mike. Download the free Hot Mike app. That's H-O-T-M-I-C. When you sign up, use that promo code MADHOUSE, and you can watch and interact with us during the abs and stars game we're not going to do play-by-play we're just going to get together talk on the chat bs around a little bit drink some beers and have some fun and watch some hockey together so join us friday night for abs stars game seven we will see you on hot mic until next week be well take care of yourself stay healthy and thank you for listening we appreciate it as always on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired sports commentator Dick Vitale. Tonight's matchup is me versus an ugly fender bender. If I can eat out a win, it would be a miracle, baby. Um, Mr. Vitale, it wouldn't be a miracle because GEICO gives you a team of experts to help manage your claim. That's going to be a nail-biter. Nope. The GEICO team is there for you 24-7. Now that's a dipsy dude, Dunkaroo, of a claims team. GEICO is awesome, baby, with a capital A. GEICO. Great service without all the drama.